Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. Every person who walked in my office, I could see whether their presenting problem was an addiction thing, an eating disorder, you know, wanting to break up their marriage. I could follow those paths back to this lack of skill set that they just didn't know how to, I will quickly just identify how I describe healthy boundaries. But the way that I teach it, because I've been teaching it for years, is that it's you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, and having the ability to communicate them with transparency whenever you so choose. Hi, U-Turn friends. It's Ashley here, and I am so excited to bring a guest back on the show. You guys loved her already. It's Terry Cole. She's a New York-based licensed psychotherapist, relationship expert, and the founder of Real Love Revolution. And what I'm most excited about is her brand new book, All About Boundaries. You've got to get a copy. It's called Boundary Boss. And so clearly the writing's on the wall. We're going to talk about boundaries. And before we even started recording, I started asking Terry about boundaries in my own life. So maybe it's going to trickle in. Hi, I just adore you. Hi, my friend. I'm so happy to be back. I... I'm always so inspired by your energy and it must be because you've got boundaries that keep you happy, you know, it spares your energy. I can tell you, it spares you leaking energy all over town. Exactly. And, um, 
somebody put it once for me. They said something like, when you have boundaries, you're allowed to love people because it's or like it allow they allow you to have love and kindness and positivity. And when you don't, you're just kind of miserable. So I want to understand a little more about what led you to this book. Cause I know you've been working in love relationships. You have so much awareness in that category. Why a book on boundaries and why this work at all? Well, you know, they say you teach what you most need to learn. So I was a verified uh, boundary disaster in my twenties and it caused a lot of pain in my life. Right. Again, just saying yes, when I wanted to say no, not speaking up, not prioritizing my preferences. But of course I didn't know what that was. I had people pleasing issues, looking for validation outside of myself, over-functioning, over-giving, a lot of codependency. Again, at the time, I thought that was just me being a loving person. I didn't know. So through my own process, I got into therapy when I was 19. I stopped drinking when I was 21. So eyes wide open for all of my 20s. And the stopping drinking piece, which is actually a, a big internal boundary, gave me all of this latitude, this space to really figure this out. So I dove into therapy, got really into um, the self-help movement. And this is, you know, the late 80s, literally. That's what we're talking about. And I just couldn't believe that I could change my life simply by becoming more mentally healthy, that I could do it with the guidance of just another person that I saw once a week. It was so mind-blowing to me that it's like you're not stuck with the hand you were dealt in life, quote-unquote. Yeah, I was like, forget this hand, forget this deck. I hate this game. I'm making up all my own stuff. And that was the most energizing and inspiring realization. So for my 20s, while I was in really in therapy, I'm still in therapy, but while that was a very concentrated time about boundaries, and I also was in the entertainment business. So I was in a career that was just, you know, like a boundaryless wonder of no nobody like so so much merging in that business because you know I was young and all my clients like I was the same age as all my clients basically so there was so much socializing and it's not like working at a bank you know I don't think I don't know maybe maybe they're codependent too but I found that entertainment there was a lot of pain around the lack of clarity around boundaries people talking in subtext and meta message so People are not talking true. As I say, like the subtitle of the book is The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. Because until you master the art of boundaries, you're not free, right? You're walking on eggshells. We're worried. We have the disease to please. We're you know, trying to avoid a conflict at all costs. It's just friggin' exhausting. So once I got to the end of my career in entertainment, which according to my father was the height of my career, apparently. I was leaving, you know, I decided I was going to get out of entertainment. I was um, running a talent agency in New York. I was negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities. And no matter how cool other people thought that job was, and it just, I just got to a point in my own life where I was like, there had got to be something more meaningful I could do in my life than make supermodels richer. Like there has to be. I wasn't anti-supermodels. They were lovely. It just wasn't satisfying. So I quit that job and I went to NYU and I opened a private practice. And that's when I really saw this epidemic where I was attracting women who were similar to me, which is, I don't know how do you say it. I don't even know, just ambitious, 
people getting it done, right? But getting it done at the expense of themselves. And so every person who walked in my office, I could see whether their presenting problem was an addiction thing, an eating disorder, you know, wanting to break up their marriage. I could follow those paths back to this lack of skill set that they just didn't know how to. And, and, and let's quickly, I will quickly just identify how I describe healthy boundaries because everyone has their own way. But the way that I teach it, because I've been teaching it for years, is that it's you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, and having the ability to communicate them with transparency whenever you so choose. Mm, Okay. And I know that it feels threatening to have boundaries because I think that comes with loss for a lot of people, right? Like, I was talking to you about family dynamics and how having boundaries with family can be very threatening. You don't want to lose the people who love you. And even when I think about like caveman times, it's probably like, you know, the threat of losing community. It's like you couldn't even survive. Um, So it's so in our cells to not want to lose people. And I know that if I asked you, like, what would your message be? You know, I'm guessing it would be something about, well, then you're losing yourself instead. And that's so painful. Um, You know what though? No, I got to say, Ash, I would say it's dramatic. Like the children in us, that the child within goes directly to, if I set a limit, I will, people will die. Yeah. Like it's so extreme and it's not true. You're not that fragile. Other people are not that fragile. Your relationships are not that fragile. And what you haven't been taught is how to um, draw boundaries with ease, with grace, with kindness, with transparency. The, The myths about boundaries is that if I'm doing it, I have to do it mean. I have to wait until I'm so pissed Mm-hmm. that I'm a friggin' volcano. And then you're the one who's ending relationships because you, we, you know, we have the file cabinet of resentment yeah. that we just keep filing shit in until it's bursting, it's overflowing. But there's such a better way. Yeah. And it's so not necessary to do it that way. So you before know, we can... No, go ahead. I, I, this reminds me of a lot of friends because what I find is it's almost like we have an inner gas tank and people don't realize when their gas tank is at like 10% and then they have the explosion. It's almost like realizing like, oh, I'm at like 60 now. Like I should probably go have a conversation, get my gas tank filled back up. And so I feel like sometimes there's that issue of like, you don't even notice how dead you are inside from something until you're dead. So is there any tip around people noticing themselves, feeling their feelings like that? Yep. I mean, if you're wondering, like people listening, if you're like, huh, I wonder where my boundaries suck. How could I find out? Oh, I know how. You can think about your relationships. Where are you holding resentment? Where do you feel constricted? Where do you feel unseen? Where do you feel marginalized or put down? Uh, where do you feel misunderstood? Those are all places that most likely a need is not being met or a boundary is being crossed. So let's say you identify and you go, wow, I just had this realization. I'm feeling resentment towards my sister, let's say. I thought she was going to do this thing for me before she went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, asking for a friend, of course. Um, <laughs> and she didn't do it, right? 
And that would tell me if that, if that would come up inside of me more than once or twice, because sometimes I might be feeling resentment because I'm friggin' exhausted, right? I might be feeling resentment because I, I'm having a moment. But if something comes up more than once, I go, no, well, that means I need to say something about it and take responsibility for my part. Why, why wasn't I more clear? about that I really needed her to do it or was I clear right I look at I look at the situation so if you're wondering you know exactly what your litany of resentments are you know it just take a minute and I walk you through this in the book and in the course where you're doing an inventory because the more we are clear about these things and the less lies we tell ourselves about them because this is this is something we do, like the, your mind does all these things because we don't want to feel um, incapable. We feel threatened. Like if I admit to myself, like, crap, there was, I was clear. She just didn't do the thing I asked. I was definitely clear. Then I have to say, hey, I, you know, last Thursday before you left, I wanted to, you know, want to tell you something happened for me after you left. I thought I was clear about this thing. You didn't do it. And I have to say, I'm really feeling bummed out about it. And I wanted to tell you because I love you and I don't want it to come between us. And I know that it'll just keep growing if I don't say something. Mm. She could be defensive. She could be like, you weren't clear. Okay. All right. She could say, don't blame me. I could, I would say, Hey, and we usually, all the language I have in the book for you, I have a whole entire um, chapter that's just scripts about every scenario you could ever find yourself in. You find a script that works for you. I'd like to make a simple request. I wanted to put it on your radar. I wanted to bring it to the top of your mind. I thought I would mention. I was thinking about the meeting last Wednesday, and I noticed that. Right? So there's so many very easy, like soft, kind ways, because here's the thing. I'm not saying we we can we never need to do this in anger or with heat. But you want to make that as a mindful decision. If you're angry and you want to express it, there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is I don't want you expressing it as an explosion simply because you waited six months and you could have waited six hours and it would have been normal. It mm-hmm. would we are normalizing these experiences of just just talking about your preferences, your desires, your limits. And your deal breakers, that's actually what we're doing. And listen, you shouldn't know this. It's like learning a foreign language. We wouldn't be like, why am I so weak that I'm not fluent in Mandarin, right? Would we? We wouldn't. Nobody taught you. Nobody taught me. I'm teaching everyone now because we all need to know it. Yeah. I I just, it's such a form of love with yourself and other people. And one area, it it almost feels like there's a process when you learn what your resentments are and you start setting boundaries where even if you use those communication tools, it, it feels like one of my closest friends, she had a lot of challenges with boundaries and it was kind of culturally enforced. Like Mm -hmm. the culture she came from, there was a lot of shame around having a sense of self, like having your own preferences. And she was taught not to have that. And it was the belief that she was disruptive for having that. And it was really interesting to watch her begin to set boundaries because what would happen is it kind of felt like Fort Knox and it was kind of abrasive because she was kind of like putting those training wheels on. And I love her so much that I was like, oh, that one was a zingy one, you know, and I've learned that when you set a boundary and it feels really rigid, 
it's, it's still kind of wounded. Hey, U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail and it works with any other email provider really that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called the Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to anymore. The Sane Later box automatically uses artificial intelligence to know that you don't want that email and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days, I check my Sane Later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox. And now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-Turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So like you were saying, coming in kind of hot, you know, coming in a little too strong because you waited the six months. So I love starting with the resentment. You're doing a pendulum with your hands. So I'm guessing there's like, yes, like we will, we, we will go in the beginning. So, so know that there's a learning period, just like anything else. And so in the beginning, the way that I teach in the beginning of the book, we uncover your own downloaded boundary blueprint, which is about your culture, family of origin, country you live in, your family role, you know, in your family system, whether your family had addiction, abuse, neglect, any very authoritarian, perfectionism, there's a million things. They all give us disordered boundaries. Literally, every one of those things I just mentioned creates disordered boundaries. But we, I walk you down into your basement with a little miner's light on my head. Don't worry, I know where we're going. You're going to find this information because most of this is in your unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. We need that information to get a full picture like, oh, this totally makes sense. I relate to boundaries the way that I do because of these 9 million influences in my early life. Cool. Now I understand. I can potentially make a different choice. So if you think of your boundary blueprint as an architectural blueprint for a house, but that someone else designed like a friggin' century ago. And it just gets handed down from generation to generation. Like in this family, this is how we do this. Yeah. And then when we bring it up from the basement to the main part of the house, put on some lights, you can decide, oh, 
I don't want to do that. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. So, so we're basically shifting that, that architectural blueprint to fit our own specs, what we actually want in life. And that's the beginning because you have to just understand like, wow, I have the disease to please. Uh It's not because you're weak. It's because it's what you learned. It's because you thought it was being loving. It was because you want to be nice. It's because you care about people. So it's really making the distinction between what is healthy and what is not. And the more you learn, the easier it is to shift your behavior towards knowing that it is the most loving thing that you can do to be, tell the truth, to talk true in your relationships, because you're really letting people know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and if we don't, what happens? It's like they don't know us. And so they don't really love us because they we literally, they don't know who we are. Yeah. I love this point because I feel like I, first of all, the dedication page on my book says who you are on Monday doesn't have to be who you are by Friday. And it, it feels like that moment you're talking about where the lights come on and you realize that this autopilot and these decisions and this way of being can be completely deleted. And it's this like amazing feeling of liberation and freedom. And this reminder that like we came here free and we get to be free. And like the first opportunity, I feel like a lot of people have that awakening to design their life. But I also notice that a lot of people are blocked from that because they don't know who they are. And I know boundaries are a huge part of that. Like where do you stop and other people start? And it's, it's huge because I almost feel like there's a lot of people walking around the planet, like these undefined humans that know that they love a turkey sandwich and like rap music and they love, you know, the city that they're from or whatever, not much beyond that. So do you have any insights for people to figure out um, beyond the resentments, which I thought was such a great point for everybody listening, knowing your resentments um, Mm -hmm. for people to start to get in touch with like, what do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the be- in the beginning of the book, one of the biggest, one of the first things that we do, because it's a very interactive book, right? Because I don't know what boundaries are right for you, but I know how to help you get there. Like I'm an amazing GPS, mm-hmm. um, but you got to do it, right? Because I, I, I don't know your life. So we do this very extensive list called the okay and not okay list. And we go through every part of your life from big things like I don't want to be in a relationship with this person because they they're into polygamy or because they whatever like that's big like that's a choice that's a that's a non-negotiable to could the lighting in my house be better mm-hmm. is it soothing to me why are there overhead lights when I hate them what rooms can I make easy changes in the way I'm interacting with my friends I have this one friend let's say who calls me all the time without warning instead of texting me calls. Do I like that? But I pick up because I feel guilty. No. So we put that on the list of, I don't want anyone calling me without warning. I don't, this is me. Bye. Mm -hmm. Now, personally me, I wouldn't pick up, but some people do. (laughs) And these things that may seem small as we go through them, it's how you relate to money, how you relate to sex, how you relate to friendship, family of origin, work, and your surroundings because physical boundaries and where you live in the space that you are, all of these things, these things impact who you are. And knowing your preferences, right? Your likes, your dislikes, desires, the things that really matter to you, your limits, stuff that you don't like to do, and deal breakers like your non-negotiables. Think about it. Those are the elements 
that actually make you, you. Okay. So I have a big question on this one and it's when you start to have needs and you start to have preferences, we still live in a world where we've got family members, friends, partners, and we want to be flexible and we don't want to be like the kid that tantrums and is living in black or white and we have needs and everybody has to meet them. And I know that there's kind of a fine line between like having a preference and just being difficult. You know what I mean? For, for people. So what feedback do you have around those moments where it's like, this is my preference and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to compromise because compromise, I feel like I need to, you know, reread boundary boss and then a book Mm -hmm. on compromise because it feels so intimidating. I think for so many people to keep themselves intact and compromise. So any wisdom on that for people who are like, they don't want to come in hot with their partner or their friend and say, this is the way it is. And it's kind of, or it's nice, you know, I noticed this and the, this is a lot for someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just what's right. your take on that? Well, it's funny. I think the language that you're using and what you're saying is very revealing. Yeah. Because it's like, these are my, these are my needs. Everyone has to meet them, mm-hmm. which is not at all what it means when you know what your preferences, your desires, your limits and your deal breakers are. It's, it's not for anyone else, right? There's, there's so much of this is for you to meet your own needs. It, it, so much of this is looking in to be like, where am I falling down on myself? How are my internal boundaries? Meaning, how do I relate to me? Do I care what my needs are? Am I always last on my own list? Do I take good care of myself to the best of my ability? Do I say yes when I want to say no? Because that's not taking care of yourself, right? That's having the disease to please. So before we start looking out to be like, and who are all the people not doing the right things about boundaries? We're looking in because that sense that it's someone else's responsibility, it definitely isn't. It's our responsibility to get the data we need from the people in our life to see where can we meet in the middle or can we? You know, with my husband and I, we've been together almost 25 years. It's like the way that we compromise is whoever it's most important to. So if there's something that he wants he wants me to do that I probably don't want to do, like go to a concert that has classical music and get all dressed up and do that, right? But he loves it. So I'll say to him, hey, how important is this to you? And if he says, I really want to do it. That's enough for me to go. I can't wait. I'm going to get the nicest dress. We're going to meet our friends. It's going to be amazing. Like I could totally get up. I could totally get myself psyched. He does the same for me, right? Is this important to you? So instead of being offended, like, oh, only if it's important. So you don't want to come see classical music. He knows me. He loves it. I love him. I don't love it. But if it makes him happy, I will go. Do you know, so so the whole thing with compromising is that there's confusion about what is on whose side of the street. So the clarification of this is what is on my side of the street, meaning what are my emotion, how are my emotional boundaries? Do I know what I'm responsible for emotionally? Do I allow other people to make me feel guilty? And they say that I made them feel a particular way. Do I take that on? If you have good emotional boundaries, you go, no, uh, that's not, I'm not making you feel anything. Well, this is all free will. 
we can make the compromise. It's how you approach it. It's how you enroll the other person in it. And when you change an, um, an ingrained and established boundary dance in a relationship, the other person is going to notice. Yeah. Right. And so in the noticing, they're going to, according to Dr. Harriet Lerner, one of my psychological heroes, they're going to um, do what she calls a change back move, where they're going to up the ante because they feel threatened. So they might be like, I can't believe how much you're changing. You're different. You're not as nice as you used to be or whatever. And our job is to stay the course and to say, hey, I know you don't like that I'm no longer doing your laundry or whatever the hell the thing was. And I still love you. And that's still my boundary. Yes. You know? Hey, I know with relationships, it's huge can be these heated issues, whether it's, you know, raising a kid with a certain religious influence. Um, and, and I guess maybe the truth of the matter is it just comes back to non-negotiables and then the people aren't compatible or a match. Yep. Um, I see a lot of people who are in cycled fights, repeated fights, repeated mm -hmm. issues. And, and I do believe that, and you probably know more on this than I do, that there's probably every relationship probably has some open issues. Yep. So it can be small issues. It can be big issues. I know that the small issues have a way of like being about something bigger for some people. Sometimes would you say that people cycling arguments and not finding resolution is feedback that it's just not a match? It depends on what it's about. Um, because I also know that we get polarized in relationships as a way of expressing unexpressed anger about other things. So my husband and I used to have time issues where I'm very, very, I'm always early and like psycho about time and he would be late. And so we got polarized where I, and I remember going to therapy and talking about it this early on in the relationship. I think, I don't think we were married yet. And you know, my husband is the most mellow Pisces, super talent, just the best human being in the world. And I would say to her, like, this is the weirdest thing. It's the only thing we have conflict about. But I feel like I'm, I'm something's wrong with me when I get into this with him, because it's almost like my response is amplified in this way that I can't even control it. Like I'm being, I'm being, it seems super unreasonable. I'm sitting in the car, like beeping the horn, like who does that? <laughs> I'm waiting to go where we're going. Like I kind of want to be a fly on that car wall. That's amazing. <laughs> like 10? Like, what are you doing? What are you a yeah. kid? And she said to me, listen, Tara, may I ask you something? Does Vic express, does he ever get mad at you? And I said, No, he really doesn't. He's pretty mellow. And she's like, Okay, well, this is a classic case of passive aggressive expression of anger. He was widowed had three kids, you came in, you married him and all the kids. The thought of losing you is incredibly threatening to him. So he disavows his anger because he can't handle it. He, he doesn't know how to talk about it, doesn't want to. So he does something that somewhere in his conscious mind, he knows, he knows you've had this fight 400 times, is going to piss you off. So what's happening is it's like he cuts off his anger and shoves it down my throat so I'm expressing in that moment, it's a, it's, it's a little convoluted, but try to stick with me. In that moment, I'm expressing my own frustration, but what I'm really doing is expressing his. He gets the satisfaction of the blow up that I have for him, and 
he gets to be like, wow, okay, relax. You know what I mean? He doesn't even have to be the one doing it. So once I understood that, I was like, all right, I'm definitely not interested in having the same fight for the rest of my life. Like, I love this guy. I want to marry him, but no way. This is so boring. So we were going to a wedding and I said to him, listen, we need to be out of here in an hour and everything is whatever. I didn't, I didn't say anything about the passive aggressive thing, but I just, this, this was a typical situation where we would end up in a brawl about time. So it's an hour before we're leaving. I'm already dressed. I make tea, my hair, like I'm literally dressed in my dress, the outfit that we're going in. And he's like, I'm going to be right back. I'm running to Home Depot. <laughs> oh my God. Famous last words. Comes back at the time we're supposed to be in the car to leave to the place. Cause it's like a two hour drive and there's wood on the top of the car. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I was coached by my therapist before that I looked at my own dysfunctional relationship to time because I always felt like I needed to be like a million hours early to things. And like, I was always super paranoid the other way. And I started being like, listen, I'm not going to be weird. Some people don't have to be there for the ceremony. I always had to be in the front row for the ceremony. Like I would never go to a wedding and not actually be there for the ceremony. Cause that's, I would think that was rude, whatever. But in this day, I was like, it doesn't matter. If we get there late, we'll sit in the back. No one will even know. I'm not going to be, I'm not doing this round robin thing we've been doing. I'm not. I meditated the whole time he was gone. I literally meditated for an hour straight, just sitting in meditation. And I wasn't angry because I was so willing to be done with this dance that was so friggin' boring and, and painful because it's not good for the relationship, obviously. So he gets back and he's he can't stop telling me that he was behind someone going slow and he's, he's making all the excuses. And I'm like, Oh babe, your, your tux, it was like a, a black tie for was like your tux is upstairs, ready to go. You will be out of here in 10 minutes. I think we're still going to make it. I'm not worried about it. He's like not even hearing the words coming out of my mouth. He's still dancing his old dance. Listen, I tried, I couldn't, the thing that the person I was like, babe, it's, it's not a problem at all. Hop in the shower. Just come. We're, we're going to go. I'll have the kids take the wood off the whatever and we'll go. So what is interesting, I changed the dance. He literally is trying to drag me onto the dance floor to do the old one. I was like, we're good. In the car, I still was super calm. And now he's flailing around, not knowing what to do because I'm not doing the thing I normally do. He's literally like, so um, trying to make conversation. He's checking the temperature. Is she pissed? Is she withdrawing in anger? I can't tell. And I was like, no, that's great. Why don't we listen to a book on tape? You've got that one we were going to listen to, whatever. And he's looking at me and looking at me. And then I said, I said, I said, do you know what Ruth thinks about our interaction? That was my therapist. And I told him, I explained, and he was like, I don't know about that. And I was like, well, but my husband, keep in mind, was very therapized. So he had lots of therapy on his own. And I said to him, well, I'm just, I want to be clear right now that I'm not doing this lateness thing with you, this weird dance. It's hard enough for me to express my own anger. I definitely have no interest in expressing yours. So I'm going to ask you to go back into therapy and handle your anger stuff. He's like, I don't think I need to. I was like, okay, but it's a request. I'm literally making that simple request. He was like, okay, I'll do it. I was like, okay. And that was the, literally, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. That was the end of it for us because now we could talk about it. When I got stressed about time, we, we, we really came together. Instead of me, me against him, it was us against our weirdness with time. And so we came up with ways that I could help him and he could help me. So when I was getting weird and thinking we should leave 17 hours before we needed to, he's like, all right, so we have a mantra. Hey, babe, we always have exactly the right amount of time. I was like, all right, I think that'll work. And then I was doing something for him. So anyway, the point is that long way around the barn, 
to get back to. He, we then started directly dealing with the anger. And of course, obviously, be careful what you wish for, because he has no problems telling me when he's mad about something now, 24 years later. <laughs> hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our really good friends over at Organifi. And what I absolutely love about them as a company is that their products are perfect for someone like me who has a busy schedule but really wants her nutrients on the go. It can be really hard to set that time aside to do the juicing or eat your greens. And that is why I've particularly fallen in love with their green juice powder. This powder has become something I just throw into my protein shake to make sure I'm getting my greens on. And oddly, I've gotten so into it that now I'm throwing it into my morning coffee with a nut milk, which somehow is making my coffee taste like a peppermint coffee. No idea how that happened. But truly, even if I had the time to juice vegetables or make massive salads, I don't always love that taste of the dark leafy greens. Their green juice powder is packed with superfoods like moringa, chlorella, mint, beetroot, matcha, wheatgrass, ashwagandha, turmeric, so much more. I always give myself a little pat on the back when I throw a scoop of their green juice powder into my day. So if you want to give their green juice powder a try, I can't recommend it enough. Head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use that U-Turn code at checkout for 20% off. And if you're weird like me and you throw some green juice powder into your coffee with your nut milk, please send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think of my little concoction. All right, now let's get back to this week's episode. Well, I, okay. So the people listening would, and could pop potentially argue and say, well, you value being on time and you gave up on something that was a boundary for you. And now you need a boundary boss to teach you to, well, like, what would your response be to that? Because I know that sometimes people think backing up or, you know, is backing down on something that you care about. Well, here's the thing that where we met in the middle was that instead of me being 45 minutes early to everything. I was willing to only be 10 minutes early. So I don't now, haven't now, and don't then show up to anything late because I can't. It would be way too anxiety provoking for me. Mm -hmm. The compromise was that I looked at my own relationship to time and it was also disordered. There's no reason to be at the airport four hours before your flight. That's just, you don't need to. That's something, this is long before... (laughs) There was anyone was going to the airport even three hours before. So clearly I had my own issue with time. So that's really what I handled for myself. And as soon as he really got how much pain it was causing me, he started looking at his own thing. And now there was no satisfaction in, if I'm not blowing up, if I'm not beeping the horn, if I'm not doing the thing that's going to literally express his anger there's no satisfaction in that for him. So now we had to talk about the things. He could have done something else, I guess, but you know, it put us in the position to talk more. And then we started really talking regularly about where are we? Is there anything we need to clean up? So every week we do what I call the state of the union, where you normalize having hard conversations that you used to avoid. Oh, psychology. What a trip. I mean, the things that we do to navigate dynamics is incredible. 
Okay. So let's say someone's listening right now and this sounds really peachy to them. Like, oh my God, I need boundaries. Like a desert needs some rain. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm thirsty. Like I need a boundary, (laughs) but it's like intimidating because they've not gotten started. You said the first place to start is maybe just take an assessment of your relationships. And that doesn't just have to be people, right? That could be a relationship to your job. Where are you resentful? Could be yep. things in your life. So maybe make a yep. big list of the things. Where are you resentful? And what are you needing to not be resentful? That's the starting point, correct? I think that's one that's one starting point. But if you want something that's more actionable, that might feel yeah. slightly more satisfying. If you're someone who tends towards the insta, yes. Like when someone says, Oh, hey, I'm gonna have this great idea. Do you want to do it? And you're just like, Yes, I'm in. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's an automatic response, let's say maybe you're a people pleaser, maybe you, you know, you're looking for this outside validation, or maybe it's just an ingrained behavior pattern. It could literally be as simple as that. I'm going to give you a couple of ways to buy time. Like right now, if you feel like you're an insta yes person, make a commitment that for the next seven days, you are not allowed to agree to anything in the moment. I don't care who it is. I mean, unless like, do you want to leave the house that's on fire? Fine. You, you can say, yes, I want to leave the house. But generally speaking, things are not the emergency that either sometimes other people would like us to think, or we feel an urgency. I don't want to make them wait. Who am I to be thinking about it? Well, it's your life. You're the one who has to be thinking about it. So some easy things that you can say to buy time is simply, I'll get back to you on that. Oh, thank you for thinking of me. I always start, especially if I like the person, you can always start even a boundary request with something positive, something loving, something lovely, right? We don't have to start with no way. Why would you think I'd want to do that? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I need to check with whoever, my roommate, my partner, my whatever. But if you have three or four of these in your back pocket, you can start creating a new neural pathway in your brain, a new habitual behavior. And what you're doing is you're putting your stake in the ground. You're, you're putting the universe on notice. Like it's actually on my time that I'm doing this. And we can do this in an empowered way. We can do this in a loving way. It is not being um, selfish. It's your life. Okay. So I have such a question with this one. Great. I feel like I can see a lot of relationships where there's the person that has clarity and there's the person that's indecisive. And I've seen this with a lot of friends that I have in their marriage and they feel rejected because the person always needs more time for things that, so let's say they pulled that out of their back pocket. And and I get that because I was looking at my friend's partner thinking like he was really conditioned to not have his own opinion growing up. And Time is like the one thing he can grab for to find him and his opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love your tip there. I think what I notice with them often is he says, mm-hmm. I need more time. And she's like, it feels like he controls the relationship because the decision is always in, not until he decides. So how right, 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 that right. from being a power struggle? Well, here's the thing. If you both allow each other to have time, right? If here's the thing, if you're a people pleaser and you're a, you're a disease to pleaser, if someone says no to you, or I need time, it's offensive because you never give that to yourself. So part of it is we've got to heal our own thing. 
if your partner needs time because that's the way they process and you you have an urgency to be like, but I need to know now. No, you got to question the urgency, please. Mm. Because do you, why, why, why can you not be in the not knowing for a period of time? Powerful question. And I think there's a lot of people listening that it's like, why do you need to know? And I think it's control anxiety. Man. Of course it is. Of course. Just like I need to, one thing that I saw work for that couple really well was she obviously had the anxiety. He had the, I need more time thing going on and where they landed was, okay, can you let me know when like a, a maximum need more time? Like when will be the latest you'll let me know? And even though he didn't like that, it was a compromise because it was way too anxiety inducing for her to just be like in this nebulous rocket ship into the depths of his time. Like, you know, right. Yep. So, but that, but what you're describing though, Ash, to me, that does sound like a power dynamic issue mm -hmm. in that when you're in a relationship and one person is pretty controlling the other person and listen, it's 50% one person. 50% the other person, no matter what the dynamic, it doesn't matter what anyone is doing. It can only be 50% mm -hmm. you and 50% them. Like that's like an actual statistical thing, you know, but if you are endlessly wait, you know, feeling like someone is sort of holding time over your head or holding a decision over your head, that, that to me is an indication that there are other things that are happening that in a way, maybe the partner, that's the one place where he feels powerful. And a lot of this crap is unconscious. It's not like I think that he's consciously doing it or she or whatever. But it's almost like if you are being kind of micromanaged by your partner most of the time, and you're not very assertive in that way, which you probably wouldn't be or those two people wouldn't be together, it's it's a way to retain control the same way that um, when you're in a chaotic situation people will tend towards eating disorders because I can't control anything but I can control this and so I feel like there's more to it than that because it shouldn't be the same type of power dynamic around decisions that to me is an indication of something else agreeing finding the compromise, like you said, that they did, like, okay, so we know that you need time to decide. Mm -hmm. You don't think the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. So, but you, but we agree that you'll give me, we'll, we'll have an answer. We'll come to a conclusion about what we're going to do within 24 hours. Let's just say that is compromising because it challenges her to feel her feelings for that period of time, but it's, there's an end date. So it's not as, like you said, Anxiety provoking is like eternity. Like I'm never going to know. I don't know. So you think but that's healthy. Yeah. that was a healthy compromise? I do. As uh -huh. long as those 24 hours or whatever they agreed to is, um, you know, is not intolerable for her, but it's also a way to look at, you can look at why is the not knowing, you know, Deepak Chopra would say, right. The infinite possibilities of our existence are in the unknown. Mm -hmm. It's like we need to make friends with the unknown. Everything we want is in there to create is there. Yeah. So it really shifted my mindset like 20 years ago around that, you know? It's incredible. Yeah. I actually remember this moment where I was at their house. Like I literally feel like I'm in their marriage because she's one of, I just am with them a lot. And 
I just remember it was like a Tuesday and there was a big decision. It was a big financial decision. So I get that he needed more time. And I wanted to ask you, like, does the bigness of a decision merit like a little more looseness with the compromise? But I remember she said, we need to get back. It's due by Monday. And I remember Mm -hmm. he said, what time on Monday? And I thought to myself, it's Tuesday. He's got five days. Does he have to know what time on my, so what do you think that that to me, that, that would be very stressful. I think that there are certain compatibility things where, you know, if you travel well together as a couple, that usually means you probably have the same idea of the amount of lead time you should have to, it would be better to Vic and I always leave very early because he knows I'm stressed and we will eat at the airport or whatever. Like you find a way to go, okay, this is how my person works. This is how I work, but I don't need to push it to the what time on Monday. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, to me, that sounds a little bit levery, you know, like, like why, why, why can't we just decide and give it to them on Friday? Mm-hmm. So then we enjoy the weekend. I'm not thinking about it. We make the decision. Another thing is where I think is important for couples too, and I do this with my husband as well, is Yes, we might need our own processes, but when it's something that has to do with both of us, we hammer it out together. Even if we disagree, even if I go, I don't really understand your thinking on that, though, but help me understand. Yeah. Okay. I, um, okay. Final question on this note. Let's, I know there's somebody mm-hmm. listening who feels like I'm, I'm a work in progress on this topic. I'm the one that needs more time, or I'm the one that's anxious about it and wanting a deadline. And I'm in the power struggle, whatever. Um, what would you have to say if they're not there yet, but they're working on it? Because I think that that's life, right? Like they're always working on it and there's no guarantees. And I know you have a lot of wisdom around like how happy you are right now with whoever you choose is how happy you'll probably be or, you know, something in that neighborhood. So what do you have to say about growth, works in progress, things changing? Like, what are your beliefs about that when it comes to a boundary that's a real issue in a relationship and they're having some back and forth? Well, part of it is I think that we have to be on the same page when we're in a relationship that we really have to hold our partners in high esteem. We really have to get that it is not you and me against each other, that it's us against something that might be coming between us. You know, I had this situation with Vic years ago, and this should illustrate, I think, a little bit where he would come pick me up from the train station when we lived in New Jersey. And if I got out of the train, it was like a trestle up at the top. I would look down and if the car was there, I'd be so happy. I'd be like, oh, and I had one flight of stairs to run down and I would literally like bound down the stairs. But if I got out of the train and I didn't see the car in the parking lot, I don't know why, but I'd have like a pit in my stomach. I would be so sad, which I literally, P.S. no idea still why. I still, I get that too at the airport. I get that. Okay. Yeah. I feel so unimportant, feel whatever. I would get to the bottom and if he, he would then you know come within 20 seconds, but that would, the whole ride home and the whole rest of the night, I would still be like pissed. Like how much it wouldn't kill you to be on time, you know? So after like the fourth time and he wouldn't know, cause then you're sitting in the car and he's like, how was your day? I'm like, Oh, fine. I'm just tired. And then I'm not talking to him or whatever. So then fourth time I said to him, you know, can I, I'd like to make a simple request. Can you please try to be to the train before I get off the train. So like two minutes before the train comes, because I don't know why, but if I get off and I don't see you, I feel like crying. 
doesn't make sense. Like, I'm not, you're not doing anything wrong. You're, you haven't been late. You're coming within 20 seconds of the train pulling up. But it really causes me like this internal pain and stress. Yeah. And I feel really unimportant. And he was like, of course, babe, of course. Yes. Now, he could have said, that makes no sense. He could have said, you shouldn't feel that way. That's stupid. I'm not doing that. But of course, he wouldn't have been my husband. If yeah. he, he wouldn't have been my person. Yeah. If that put him out. Letting him in. So in a way, it's almost like letting your partner in rather than making them wrong and being like, you don't need five days. That makes no sense. Saying, babe, the level of stress that this causes me, I really want us to problem solve. So can we agree that let's spend some time on, we have time on Thursday from here to here and on Friday. Can, can, do you think that we can try to get this done by Friday so that we can get it back to them and I can enjoy my weekend because I feel like I'm not going to, if whatever. I'm not making you wrong. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with your timing. I'm literally asking, what'd you say? You're just making a request. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And not making you wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. This has been such an amazing conversation. Everybody, you guys have to get boundary boss. There is so much like do yourself a favor, like this topic enough is enough. Like if I had a penny for every person who was suffering unnecessarily because of that little moment of comfort that you don't want to say the boundary in exchange for a lifetime of resentment, it's like, give yourself the gift of this book. Terry, where can everybody find you? You can find, I'm going to give you a bunch of things because I also have a gift for your audience. I have a special thing on codependency yes. and boundaries that I think you're going to love. So to get your special gift from this podcast, go to boundaryboss.me forward slash U-turn. Spelled like she spells it. Um, if you, you can buy the book anywhere. It's sold everywhere. But if you want to get um, bonuses that I have, go to boundarybossbook.com, put in your little receipt. It'll be there. And what else did I want to tell you? You can find me at terrycole.com. I hang out on Instagram at Terry Cole. I have a podcast myself called The Terry Cole Show, which you have been a guest on. Yes. So that's all the places I think you got them all. Thank you so much for coming on again. You are such a highlight every time. It was awesome. I want to do it again. Like, I feel like we could just keep going for like days. I have so many questions for you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week. <laughs>